Welcome back to Youth Group Radio. We're going to be continuing our study through the book of John. and Today we're going to be finishing off John chapter 1. This is part 3 of the John series. So let's start off in verse 29 of chapter 1. The next day he saw Jesus coming toward him, and he said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me comes a man who ranks before me, because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but for this purpose I came baptizing with water, that he might be revealed to Israel. And John bore witness, I saw the Spirit descend from heaven like a dove, and it remained on him. I myself did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, He on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and have borne witness that this is the Son of God. The next day again John was standing with two of his disciples, and he looked at Jesus as he walked by and said, Behold, the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. Jesus turned and saw them following and said to them, What are you seeking? And they said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? He said to them, Come, and you will see. So they came and saw where he was staying, and they stayed with him that day, for it was about the tenth hour. One of the two who heard John speak and followed Jesus was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother Simon and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which means Christ. He brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, son of John. You shall be called Cephas, which means Peter. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, Follow me. Now Philip was from Bethesda, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nathanael said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, Come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael said to him, How do you know me? Jesus answered him, Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathanael answered him, Rabbi, you are the Son of God, you are the King of Israel. Jesus answered him, Because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Let's pray. Lord, this is the day that you have made. Let our hearts rejoice and be glad in it. Let us know the gift of life today. And let our thoughts be shaped by you. And let our actions imitate you today. It's in the name of Jesus. Amen. In our passage, we have John the Baptist looking at Jesus and proclaiming, 
who Jesus is, right? Uh, last time we ended by saying, hey, if you want to know who Jesus is, start off by talking to John the Baptist. And John the Baptist looks at Jesus and he says, look, it's the Lamb of God. We call Jesus the Lamb of God all the time, but what exactly does that mean? In the book of Exodus, the people of Israel had to make a sacrifice. Each family had to sacrifice a lamb in order to be rescued from Egyptian slavery. Right, The angel of death was coming, they had to sacrifice the lamb, put the blood on the doorpost and whatnot, and ultimately it's going to get them out of slavery. But now... It's not people who are making a sacrifice. Now it's God who makes the sacrifice in order to bring us out of an even older and darker and truer slavery. God brings his lamb to sacrifice on our behalf. And it's his own son. In fact, it's God himself who becomes the sacrificial lamb in order to rescue the world. John the Baptist makes it clear that this rescue isn't just for Israel. It isn't just for the cool kids, so to speak, right? It's the lamb of God has come to take away the sin of the world, he says. In verse 35, it shows John the Baptist with two of his students, two of his disciples. And as Jesus walks by them, John the Baptist starts saying, look, it's the Lamb of God. He's talking to his disciples, saying, disciples, look, it's the Lamb of God. And so John the Baptist's two disciples, they leave him. They leave John the Baptist and they start to follow Jesus. And once again, we see just how incredible John the Baptist is. He's not trying to trick anybody. He's not trying to build himself up, right? His disciples are leaving him. And in chapter 3, verse 30, we're going to hear John the Baptist say about Jesus, he must increase and I must decrease. The more he starts telling people about Jesus, the less they're going to follow John the Baptist and the more they're going to follow Jesus. And that's what he wants, Imagine if John the Baptist's disciples heard him say that about Jesus. And they heard him say, look, it's the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And they just turn to John the Baptist and they say, wow, tell us more. Well, what more is there to tell? There he is. He's right there, the Lamb of God, taking away the sin of the world. Right? He, he could sit there and, and tell them about it, but it's like he literally just walked past you, you know? I can tell you about Jesus week after week. People can tell you about Jesus week after week. You can sit and learn about Jesus, but don't just be satisfied with that. Don't just be content with listening to what others tell you about him. Instead, you got to follow him. He's walking right past. Don't just listen. Follow him. John the Baptist's two disciples, they don't need to ask any more questions. They just need to follow Jesus. And that's what they do. They walk with Jesus. They follow Jesus. And then Jesus realizes that they're following him. And so he turns and he asks them, what do you want? And they say, teacher, where are you staying? 
And if you think about that, that's kind of an awkward question. Imagine you just notice that someone is following you, and you ask them, um, excuse me, can I help you? Um, what do you want? And they say, uh, yeah, so where do you live? It's like, oh, oh my, that's, uh, that's odd. That's not, that's not the response you're supposed to give, right? Jesus says, what do you want? And they say, um, what's your address? Kind of creepy sounding. But Jesus doesn't cringe at them. <laughs> he doesn't rebuke them for asking the wrong question. Instead, he says, yeah, you want to know where I'm staying? All right, come and see. And there's so much beauty in that response. Because, yes, they will see where Jesus is staying. They will see his address. But obviously, that's not all they want. That's all they could think of to say. And what's wonderful is they're going to see so much more than just where he's staying physically, right? They're going to see so much more than their hearts can fathom. This is only the beginning for them. And it begins with a simple little question. Where are you staying? We can ask God simple questions. And he will lead us. And he will show us. But it's only the beginning of our never-ending journey with the God of all. He takes our simple questions that we, we don't quite know how to say what we really need, well, what we really want, but he takes those simple questions and he shows us that there's much more depth to what we ask than we realize. We can ask him, Jesus, where are you staying? I think that's a good thing to ask him today. In verse 41, we see that one of the two disciples was Andrew. Andrew goes to find his brother, Simon, and he says, hey, we found the Messiah. <laughs> Already there's a shift to what Jesus has shown them, right? Already they've found so much more than just his address. They found so much more than just where Jesus is staying. No, they found the Messiah. They found the hope of the nations, we see something really wonderful about God here in this passage. We see that God is personal, and we see that he will bring you and others to him in whatever way it takes. And we see that all throughout the scriptures. It may be like Andrew, whose teacher or mentor told him about Jesus and said, look, that's Jesus. You need to follow him. Or it might be like Simon, right? whose brother encouraged him to come to Jesus. We're going to see it might be like Philip. It might be like Nathaniel. You think of the story of the Magi, the wise men in the book of Matthew, when God literally moved the stars to lead pagan priests right to the feet of Jesus. Whatever it is, whatever way God brings you to him, we learn from this story that in the middle of our searching for God, Jesus is actually the one searching for us. You see, Andrew and Simon thought they were looking for the Messiah, but what they didn't realize was that the Messiah was looking for them. And then we have the last part of the story, which continues to show Jesus looking for someone. In verse 43, it says that Jesus found Philip, right? Jesus was looking for Philip. He finds him, and Jesus just tells him, follow me. And so he does. And then listen to what happens right after that in John 1, 45 and 46. 
Philip went to look for Nathanael and told him, We have found, which is so funny, we found him, but Jesus found him, right? We have found the very person Moses and the prophets wrote about. His name is Jesus, the son of Joseph from Nazareth. Nazareth, exclaimed Nathanael. Can anything good come from Nazareth? And then Philip says, come and see for yourself. Right, I love that. Philip's saying, we found him, we found him. But really, no, Jesus found him. But that that's encouraging. It's like, yeah... Jesus finds us, which is so good because we look in the wrong direction all the time. And then Nathaniel apparently despises people from Nazareth. He's, he's a little prejudiced towards them, apparently. He says, can anything good come from Nazareth? Yeah, right. But what does Philip say in response? He says, come and see. He's only spent a little bit of time around Jesus, but he's already starting to sound like Jesus. Come and see. He's confident that if Nathan will just come and see Jesus, his skeptical, cynical, pessimistic, prejudiced heart will melt and will smile. In verse 47, Philip and Nathanael walk up to Jesus, and Jesus looks at Nathanael and says, Now here is a genuine son of Israel, a man of complete integrity. Jesus doesn't say, Oh, look, here's the jerk who thinks people from Nazareth are worthless. You know, let me teach you a lesson about R-E-S-P-E-C-T. No, instead he says, Here is someone who is not going to deceive you. Here is someone that you can trust is going to tell you the truth. And I love Nathan's response. He says, how do you know about me? You can almost read the hope in his words. How do you know about me? I'll never forget one Sunday I was walking through the church and I passed by a little boy in our church named Asa. He was like five years old. And as I passed by him, I smiled and said, good morning, Asa. And he stopped dead in his tracks and shouted, He knows my name? (laughs) He was so happy to know that I knew him. And Nathan, in our story, Nathan is hoping that maybe Jesus knows him too. So he asks, How do you know about me? And in verse 48, Jesus simply says, I could see you under the fig tree before Philip found you. And then Nathanael exclaimed, Rabbi, you are the son of God, the king of Israel. Nathan was so excited. Jesus really did know him. Jesus really did see him. Nathan just wanted to be seen. And I think that's true of a lot of people. So many people just want to be seen by God. But why would they ever think God sees them when it seems like they're invisible to the world around them, right? There are many people in the world that get treated as if they're not even there. And if Christians treat them that same way, if if the Christians don't see these people, if the Christians treat people like they're ghosts, walking right by, not acknowledging their presence, then... Jesus must not see them either. You know, before someone is going to embrace the truth that God sees them, 
they very well may need to be seen by you and by me, that they can see first, that, that we see them. That's that first step of faith for them to see that maybe God sees them too. Jesus, he seems amused by Nathan's quick response. And he says, do you believe this just because I told you that I saw you under the fig tree? You will see greater things than this. And then he said, I tell you the truth. You will all see heaven open and the angels of God going up and down on the Son of Man, the one who is the stairway between heaven and earth. Now, what does it mean when Jesus says that the angels of God will be ascending and descending on him like a stairway? This is a clear reference to a story found in Genesis chapter 28, where Jacob is running for his life because he just screwed up big time, and he's trying to run away from his mistakes. And that night, Jacob finds a place to sleep, and he has a dream about a stairway that goes to heaven, and angels are going up and they're going down from heaven to earth on this stairway. And God is standing with Jacob and encourages him that God has not given up on Jacob. And then listen to what Jacob says after he wakes up from that dream in Genesis 28 verse 16. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I wasn't even aware of it. But he also was afraid and said, What an awesome place this is. It is none other than the house of God, the very gateway to heaven. Okay, so that's important. So in our current passage in John, Jesus is referring back to this story from Genesis. And Jesus is letting Nathanael know that the Lord is in this place, and you aren't even aware of it, but you will be. You're going to see greater things than this. Jesus is beginning to teach them that as you follow him, you will see that Jesus is bringing heaven and earth together. It's not just going to be, you know, a stairway or a ladder connecting them. It's they're coming together. He's bringing new life, new creation to us here and now. Heaven is no longer a far-off idea. You don't have to wait to die. It's a reality here and now in Jesus. So, to sum up where we're at at this point, when you're looking for Jesus, it's really Jesus who's looking for and pursuing you. He sees you. He knows you. He even knows your prejudices. We all have prejudice in our heart one way or another, and he's not afraid of it. And when you follow him, you are entering into a reality where heaven and earth are coming together. And finally, when you follow Jesus, he gives you a new name. The character Jacob, right, in the Old Testament, Jacob was given a new name. So Jacob used to mean deceiver, but Jacob was given a new name, Israel. And Simon, in our passage, Jesus talks to Simon and he says, hey, your name is going to be Cephas, which is, means Peter. And you, listener, you are given a new name. 
you are given a new identity. Now, your actual name might still be the same, but you're not the same person anymore. Scripture says that if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. If you are in Christ, new creation. So go outside. Get alone with Jesus. Pray to him. Listen for him. Heaven and earth are colliding. Let new creation consume every aspect of you and ask him to lead you. Or ask him a simple question like, Where are you staying, Jesus? And I think the closer you look at Jesus in the scriptures, Jesus is staying in the unwanted places. Jesus is staying uh, in, in the, with the people that no one else is seeing. So if you want to be where Jesus is, yeah, ask him where he's staying and he'll show you. And it's probably going to look like those unwanted places, those unwanted faces and people. Where are you staying? Ask him to lead you and he will. Because the wonderful, beautiful thing about it is he's been looking for you. Thank you so much for tuning in. I pray this was a blessing for you. If you ever wonder about any of the scripture referenced in the podcast, just check out the description. I put all the references in there. Youth Group Radio, peace out.